0: morning. How are you guys doing? Good to see you this morning. Hey, we have been stuck in the middle of this really cool series on this guy named Samson, kind of going through and talking through what his life was like, what it looks like, Um, hopefully picking out some things in his life that we can apply to our lives to make us better and to get through this thing called life. Um, There's been some cool stuff going on. Lynn started this whole thing out with man saying Samson's biggest problem was his lean. Um, and and he, he would lean on his own capacity instead of leaning on God. And so we talked a little bit about what that looked like. And his challenge to us was maybe to, to change our lean, was maybe to get off of leaning on ourselves and to maybe move to where we're leaning onto God. Um, I appreciate the fact that Min lay, Lynn made this thing to look like me outside of the beard. Um, it's about 20 pounds lighter, but this is me. So yeah, so that was one of the challenges was, man, to get off of leaning on ourselves and to start leaning on towards God we're going to look at a different part of Samson's life today. Um, as you go through Samson's story and as you read through all these cool things about Samson, he's the guy that we men that we hate, um, but we can't do anything about because he'd beat us up. That's Samson. If you look at his life, man, if just going through the book of Judges, studying him, he had everything. Man, the ladies were always around him. Everywhere he went, there was like this flock of ladies just kind of chasing him around. He was huge. Like, he was just this big buff. He was the strongest man at the time, like P90X CrossFit, like when he was four years old, he was done. He was just this beast of a man. He picked up city gates in one of the, one of the things of his life, picked up city gates, put him on his back, and climbed a mountain with him. I mean, he was just a beast. He had this long, flowing hair. Jerk. He had this, man, he had this, <laughs> this head full of hair. I tried it. I really did. My goal was to make it a whole year. I don't know how y'all put up with hair. I made it to baby dedication two weeks ago and tried for an hour in my bathroom, trying to comb it, product it, do all this stuff, and was just like, this is way too much, and clipped it off because I was like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. He had that hair though, he had that Favio hair that like glistened when he walked in a room, it like flew out behind him, and the ladies were like, Oh yeah. Uh, he was that guy. But as you read his story and as you look at his life, and as you go through and study his life, he had so much potential. But yet his life ends so sad. I, I don't know about you, but at the end of my days when I'm all said and done, the last thing I want on my headstone is, here lies Tim Beale. He had so much potential. When you look at the life of Samson and you look at his story, part of his problem was his lean. I think the second part of his problem was his pride. He was so caught up in who he was He allowed that to keep him from being who he was created to be. And this morning, we're going to dive into Samson's life. So, man, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Judges. We're going to go Judges 16 this morning. Um, Real easy book to find. If you'll start kind of on the left with Genesis, work your way to the right a little bit. Judges 16 is where we're going to look. We're going to look at a small section of Samson's life because I I think there's something powerful in here that, that really speaks to us because I think a lot of us are in this exact same spot in life. Judges 16 is where we're going to start. And and can I just say this? Um, I I think that we all have the capacity for greatness. I think that all of us are built with the capacity to do something great. Pride is going to keep you living in the land of potential and never stepping foot into the land of greatness. Let, Let me say that again. Pride is going to keep you in the land of potential and it's never going to allow you to step foot into greatness. In your seat back pockets, or maybe you've been hanging on to them, there's some cards that look like this. I'm going to challenge you, even starting right now, pull this dude out before we start reading Samson's story and make fun of him for a little bit. Pull this out because this is for us. This isn't for Samson. This isn't for your neighbor. Um, This this is specifically for you. If you brought yours, man, awesome. If not, seats in front of you should have one, or maybe on the floor if you're in the front row. The number three question on this is what we're going to deal with today. It says, sins I need to tame. Sins I need to tame. And so before we dive into Samson, I'm just going to ask, let me ask you this question. What is the one thing, if anything, would get you? What is the one thing that will get you? What is the boogeyman in the closet? What is the thing hidden under the bed? What, if there was one thing that was going to get you, what's going to get you? All right, dive in, Samson, sixteen, and we're going to start this out and look in verse four, um, Judges sixteen, verse four says this. It says, sometimes later, he, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek. And, and so sometime later, if you get bored today, go back and read the first part of this chapter, um, and you'll understand Samson's biggest problem is the ladies. Um, hands down, that's where he struggled, and that's the sometime later. Messed up with the ladies, and now he's back, and now he's in love. Mm. Sometime later, he fell in love with the woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. That should be your first hint, men, that you're in a really bad relationship. I'm just saying, let me throw that out there before we go any deeper. If that conversation ever starts up, you just need to go. Don't go, doesn't matter where, but just go. Verse 7. Samson answered her and says, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I will become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easy as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his great strength was not discovered. It is so easy to look at this story and to look at Samson and just think, What are you thinking? What is, seriously, Samson, what is the matter with you? This woman is a gold digger. This woman, man, she's, I don't know what she's wanting from you, but it's not love. What are you thinking, Samson? Do you not pick up any of this? And before we give Samson too hard of time, but before we really start just tearing Samson apart for a minute, what about us? You see, Samson's problem is easy to pick out because he, unfortunately, his problem was obvious. And it's easy to look at Samson and think, dude, you have a problem with the ladies. You need help. You need a wingman to come in and be like, no, stay away. You need somebody to speak into your life. And unfortunately, Samson had that. He just didn't listen. So it's easy to pick out Samson's problem. And honestly, this morning, I don't want to pick out Samson's problem because that's not going to help us because we're not going to leave here better because we understand Samson's problem. What is yours? What is the thing that you continually go back to? What is the the trap that gets set before you that that you think you're faster than? What is the thing in in your world and in your realm? Because again, Samson isn't going to do much for us. Um, Knowing his problem is easy. It didn't work. Picking out our problem, though, is going to be a little more difficult. So this morning, this is where the card comes in. That number three spot on the card, if something was going to get you that's going to get you, what would that be? What would your sin be? What would be the thing that you struggle with in your world? What would that be? What would that look like? Because Samson's, like I said, is fairly easy. But we're not dealing with Samson, we're dealing with us. Because you see, the problem with Samson is the same problem that we have. We think we're faster. We think we can go into the trap and get out and not get hurt. We see the trap set. And some of the sins, some of the things in our life are so apparent, we see it and we know we're like, dude, that's going to be bad news. If we get inside of that, that's going to be bad. But we're so quick, we can get out. And we're not fast enough. And before you know it, you're stuck. Samson's is easy. What is yours? What is the trap that's been set before you that you're quicker than? What is it that you're dealing with that, if you're not careful, is going to lead to to some serious pain? Let me give you a hint on how to find out. This is how I did it this week in preparing for this. This, this is how you know. Um, when you go to God and say, God, please forgive me. I'm never going to do this again. Amen. Nuts. God, forgive me. Please, I'm never going to do this again. Oh, God, that's your trap. That sin that you continually go back to, that sin that you continually go to God and say, okay, God, I'm done. Man, please forgive me. Take this from me. I'm never going to do this again. God, man, forgive me and remove this from me. And then five minutes later, a day later, a week later, an hour later, Forty-three seconds later, you're back. God, forgive me. I'm never going to do this again. That's a really good way of figuring out what your trap is. What is the thing you continually go back to? Do you understand that pride is keeping you from changing your lean, but it's also keeping you in a very, very dangerous place? Go back to the text. Let's look at Samson. Go to verse 10. Because surely he learned his lesson. She wants to take his power. She wants to destroy him. Surely Samson is smart enough. He's like, woman, be gone. Look in verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with him. Then with men hidden in the room, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. You would think, round two, Samson would be smarter. You would think after the first time, she's like, hey, Samson, how do I take your strength? And he makes up some story. And then people come in, and he breaks it and beats folks up. You would think that by now, round two, he would, okay, I get this. I'm not, but evidently, he's right back in. And before we make fun of Samson too much, how many times have we gone back to God and said, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we turn right back into it. Part of the problem is we see the trap, but we're not smart enough to stay away from it. I think a second part of the problem is maybe we don't see the trap. Maybe we don't see the danger that's hidden behind it. Maybe we just see something that looks good to us. I love to hunt. Um, If the world ever ends and zombies attack... um, and we need food on my, on our, like for my family. I'm gonna be good there as long as I don't have to fish. I can shoot stuff. Um, love archery. Love hunting. Uh, but when it comes to fishing, this is about the size of the biggest fish I've ever caught in my life. <laughs> and that was in a catch and release pond. Um, <laughs> this is what I catch. Somehow, some of you are better at fishing than me, and somehow you can make this appear so good to a fish that they're willing to come out of their place of safety into a place of danger. And, and the fish, and I don't know how you do it, you reel and you pop the reel, and I don't get it because it just doesn't make sense to me, but you do that. And this big, beautiful, blue, red-eyed, yellow-bellied thing, some fish looks at it and says, I need some of that. And before they know it, they're in the hook. See, the purpose of this is to get the fish out of safety into danger. Because once we catch the fish, they wind up in our boat. (laughs) And once we get them in our boat, they wind up at our house. I I don't know if you know this, but if you're a fish lover, the boat isn't a very safe place for you. The house sure isn't a good place because at the house it goes to a cutting board, that then goes to a frying pan, that then goes to your stomach, and none of those places are where you want to be if you're a fish. The point of this is to pull you from safety and to get you to ignore the hooks and to bite into something thinking it's better. How many times have you sat back and thought, man, if I just had this, if I would just get this promotion, things in our life would be better. If I just made this amount of money, if I just had this type of wife, if my husband would just start doing this, if my kids would shape up and just do this, our family would be better. Do you understand that you're buying into the lure and you're missing the hook? Because that's not the problem. The problem is our lean. We're we're stuck on our own capacity. And a lot of times it's because we're too proud to give that to God. What is it right now in your life that Satan is just kind of dangling out there, trying to get you out of a place of safety, trying to get you to buy into something, convince you that this is really good, you should check it out. And you're, you're missing the hooks because of the flash. Do you understand that sin isn't forced on the unwilling, but it's chosen because of its attractiveness? Does that make sense? Sin isn't forced on the unwilling, but it's chosen because of its attractiveness. It's chosen by us because we miss the hook. So, again, if anything could get you that would get you, what is that? Let's go back to the text and look at Samson. It's easier to look at him because we don't have to deal with ourselves. Verse 13. Delilah then said to Samson, Until now you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Who is a fool in this? I mean, seriously, Delilah is walking in going, Samson, you've been making a fool of me. And he's like, woman, you've tried to get me killed twice now. But he doesn't do that because he's hooked. Until now you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you were to... If you were to weave the seven braids of hair, um, the seven braids of my head, into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pin in the loom with the fabric. Again, he falls right back into the trap. What is yours? This card. I, I'm going to ask you to do something today that um, is borderline sketchy. Um, I'm going to ask you today to take a few minutes right now and, and ask yourself, between you and God, what is the sin that I continually go back to that I'm saying, God, please forgive me? Oh, wait. God, please forgive me. What, what is that sin? What is the thing, that the lure that you've bought into and you've ignored the hook? What is that in your world? I, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. I'm going to ask you to not figure that out for your neighbor because I understand that that's easier to look at the person next to you and go, baby, this is you right here, and write that down. <laughs> I understand how easy that is, um, so I'm gonna ask you to not do that. I'm gonna ask you, with you, what is your sin? Well, what is it that you keep going back to, you, you repeatedly go back to over and over and over expecting something to be different, maybe thinking that this time is different because I'm a different person and this time I'm fast enough, I can get out of the way. This time I can go in and get out and nobody will get hurt. What is that in your world? I'm gonna ask you to write it right here and not because you're gonna give it to me or you're gonna stand up and be like, hi, my name is Tim and I struggle with, no, that's not what we're gonna do. I'm just gonna ask you to write it right here for just a second and we'll go back to it in a minute. What is your sin that you continually go back to? Maybe something you've been struggling with your entire life, but you continually go back, go back, go back. Let's go back to Samson. Look in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. I'm not going there. Um, that's a whole nother series. In fact, get that nagging, get that out of your head for a second. I should have skipped verse 16. Um, verse 17. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite, set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. While Dalala saw that he had told her the truth, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him and his strength— left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from the sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Possibly the scariest verse found in Scripture. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prisons. Samson goes back time after time to the trap that he's seen set before him, to the thing that he knows is dangerous. He goes back to the place that he knows is bad. He goes back to the place that he knows is dangerous, continually goes back, leaves, goes back, continually goes back, and he gets caught. Can I I just say this? If we don't remove this from our life, do you understand that this brings death to our life? Whatever this thing is, whatever that thing is that you're struggling with, that maybe you've been good enough to hide it and people don't know, Maybe you're, you're, you're clever enough that people aren't finding it, but do you understand if this trap stays a part of your life, that it brings death? Samson's sitting there, and instead of being the man that, that God built him to be with this endless potential, he was set up with everything. He had that, whatever that is that makes people want to be around you, he had that. He had looks, he had physique, he had abilities, he had talents, he had everything that you would want. He had endless potential, but as we study the life of Samson, it's not about what he did, it's just about what he could have done. Do you understand that if you don't remove the trap from your life, your life is about potential that could have been and not about remarkable that God created you for It's scary to me to think what I wrote on my card. What if I don't get rid of, maybe I just stay stuck in potential. Because potential is great unless you're about to die. And then potential really isn't all that, it's, it's worthless. So again, it's easy to look at Samson and say, Man, why didn't he just stay away from the ladies? Why didn't he just stay away from Delilah? He, he had to have known that this was going to happen. He had to have known that she was going to do this. I honestly think that Samson just thought that he was good enough that no matter what happened, he could get away. And on, I mean, honestly, that's what it says. In verse 20, he says, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I'll go out just like I've al- as I've always done, and I'll get rid of whatever the problem is, and I'll take care of it on my own standing, and I will lean on my own capacity, and I will be here and everything will be easy. And unfortunately for Samson, um, it doesn't end up that way. If Samson had everything, looks, physique, title, he, he was chosen by God to be the ruler of Israel. Do you understand that? To be the judge in Israel. He was chosen, picked by God, to be the, the one who, who judged Israel at this time. He had, he had all of this going for him, and yet he still fell victim to the same trap over and over and over again. Can I just ask you this? If Samson couldn't do it and wasn't strong enough, why do you think you are? Why do you think that it's gonna be different for you than it was for Samson? Why do I think that I'm immune to this, that I somehow have a power that he didn't have, and I'm gonna be better than this? It's because we bought into the hook, the lure. We bought into the fact that us, that we can do it. Do you understand how dangerous that is? As I was looking through this and studying, because I, I, really Samson's life doesn't end very well. Um, if you read on to the rest of 16, Samson's life really isn't all that great. It's not about that he kind of comes to his senses and thinks, man, I'm going to do this, and, and there's this really great turnaround in his life. Instead, it, um, Samson... It's just, it's not good. As I'm reading this, a couple of things I'm thinking too. If he was called to rule the Israelites, why did he spend so much time with the Philistines? Have you ever wondered that? Like you're reading through Samson's life, and he was called to be the judge over Israel. He was called to be the judge um, over the Israelites. That was his job. That's what God built him to do. That's where all of his potential was leading him for. And yet as you read his story, you never see him with the Israelites. He's always with the Philistines. As a man chosen by God, why was he not where he was supposed to be? As children of God, why do we put ourselves in places we don't belong? Why do we put ourselves in places that God that, that's not for us, that places that God has specifically said stay away from? And I honestly I, I think it's because of this. I think because the grass is greener in that area. And if I just go over there, this is, man, this looks so great. It's so good. And and we've missed the hook because we've been hypnotized by those red little beady eyes. The more I studied this, the more depressed I got. Um, Because the more I studied this, I'm thinking if Samson isn't strong enough to, to free himself and to get himself out of that, how in the world will I ever free myself of this? How can I ever make this different in my life? If you go to your Bible to the right, quite a bit to the book of Titus. Hit Revelations and go back to the left a little bit. There's this beautiful promise in the book of Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 and 12 it says this. It says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And I want to unpack this a little bit because this is the hope. Because really, everything up until this point, if I'm you sitting out there, which I am because this has hit me just longer because I've had to deal with this all week, I'm trying, in my mind, I'm trying to think, how do I, there's there's no way. I'm stuck in this cycle and the rest of my life I'm going to have to continually do this. And I love this verse because it says, for the grace of God. And I want you to remember what grace is because grace isn't anything you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's not something that you have coming towards you. You're not entitled to grace. Grace is this beautiful thing that you get in spite of who you are. Grace, the grace of God is this beautiful gift that God gives you, not because you're good, but because he's good. And because he knows that you have no way of getting through this without him, so he gives us this beautiful gift of grace. And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to everybody, not those who get their act together, to not those who can do this, that can separate themselves from that sin, that can can move all that junk and that trash out of their life. The grace of God doesn't come to those who have it all together, who are perfect, who are righteous, who are holy. The grace of God doesn't come for them. It comes for all of us. No matter how screwed up we are, no matter how messed up, no matter how trapped, no matter how many lures we have coming and sticking out of us, the grace of God comes for all of us, and it brings a beautiful gift of salvation. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Do you want to know how to get out of that hook of the trap? Do you want to know how to stop dealing with this in your life? Seek the grace of God. Go to God and say, God, this is my trap. I can't get out of it. I'm stuck in this sin, and no matter how hard I try, God, no matter how hard I pray, no matter how hard I read, I'm stuck in this, and I'm sick of dealing with it, and I need somebody to step in and help me with this. And The thing that will keep you from that is pride. The thing that will keep you from that is this right here, is you leaning on you, because what this does when you give this to God is it changes your lean, and it moves you back to where we should be, And that's leaning on Jesus. But your pride is going to keep you in this. But if we'll give this to God, do you you see the promise that it says, if we give this to God, it says it teaches us to say no to the ungodliness. It teaches us to see this and think, that ain't good, and stay away from it and say no. It teaches us when we see this to see the hooks and the danger that they bring. And God's grace Do you understand this? God's grace teaches us how to avoid this. And and even more than that, how to to say no to that. But then look at the next step, how to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and how to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This isn't a promise that was written to a group of people 2,000 years ago. This is a promise that was written for us for today that if we will stop and we will stop being prideful and we will realize that we can't do things without the help of Jesus and we will give that to him that he will teach us how to say no and how to live godly, upright lives. The alternative, Samson shows us. And that's where we continue to mess around with this until eventually we get caught and we go from the land of remarkable to the land of potential so again what is your trap what is the thing that if something gets you would get you what is that for you Today, are you willing to say, God, I I need help. um, I'm not strong enough to get past this unless you step in and give me grace. Unless you step in and do something powerful. Or is pride this morning going to sell you the lie and the hook and the lure of, Nah, Tim, you got this. You're there. Just read your Bible another two hours. Just spend another 20 minutes in prayer. Just go to another church service. Just volunteer another thing. Just do another thing, and, and man, you're good. Is pride going to keep you stuck? I asked you to write it down on this because this, this is honestly what I want you to do for it. I don't want you to turn it in. Don't leave it in your chairs. That would be weird. I want you to take this home and put it someplace where you spend time with God. Hopefully sometime during the day you spend at least a moment with God every day. I want you to put this, if that's in your Bible, if that's where you pray, wherever that is, and and every morning, every evening, whatever that looks like, whatever that time is for you, I'm just going to ask you to go and to just, God this is it. If I go down today, please don't let it be because of this. If I mess up today, God, and if if I remove myself from remarkable to potential, and if I do that today because of a poor decision, please don't let it be this. Please help me today, God. Give me the strength and the courage to deal with whatever this is and to remove it so that I can say no to ungodliness and I can live an upright, godly life, and people can see that in this present age. Some of you, it starts with um, even just trusting God. Because some of you, I think, have been coming just week after week after week, and you're like, man, this is great, but can I really trust that if I give him the filth that is my trap, can I really trust that he's not going to judge me because of that and that he's going to love me in spite of that. Can I trust if I give this to him that he's really going to follow through with his side of it? That's why I love this verse in Titus, because it's by grace. Because if God gave us what we deserved in that moment, it wouldn't be pretty, but instead he gives us grace. And he loves us. So this morning... Will we change our lean? Because if Samson wasn't strong enough, what makes you think you are? Should you pray with me, please? God, thank you for, um, thank you for this story. God, this, this, the story of Samson, and God, the, the fact that, um, God, that we have this guy's life that we can look back on and try to figure out how to, um, to make things different for us. God, thank you, for, um, thank you for being patient in our lives, and God, for not giving us what we deserve, for God, not, God for not just throwing us out because we, we continually go back time and time again to things that are painful and to things that are harmful in our lives. Jesus, right now, I just want to ask a couple of things. God, right now, would you give all of us, God, starting with me, would you give us the courage to step up and say, man, I'm struggling with this right now and I don't know what to do with it, but I'm sick of going back to it time and time again and falling into that same trap. I'm tired of it. So God, right now in this moment, right now, this is yours, Jesus. And I'm going to trust and I'm going to lay down my pride and I'm going to trust that you're going to take it and you're going to do something with it. And I don't even care, but God, you're going to remove it from my life so that I don't have to live in that anymore. Jesus, right now, for people in this room that are just wondering, man, can God really do that in my life? Is He really big enough? Is He really strong enough? Is He really forgiving enough to do that in my life? Jesus, I'm just going to ask that right now, in this moment, that you, man, that you would do the miraculous, God, that you would change eternities in this room right now, and God, that people, that that we would understand how big you are, as 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 hard to even comprehend as that is. God, would you help us this morning, right now, in this moment? to get out of this Samson syndrome of, of pride and, and lean that's that's all messed up, God, and we would trust in the God of creation. So Jesus, would you help us through this moment to worship you? <laughs> and worship God is, is, right now in this moment is giving you something that, that we shouldn't have to begin with. So God, give us courage, give us strength, and God when the trap is set out before us again, will you give us the wisdom and, and God just the the mindset to stay away and to say no. And Jesus, if you don't do this, we're, we have no hope. So Jesus, we ask you to do this in your powerful and beautiful name. Amen.